I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I don't no, understand. you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an no. illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble. And I know it. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Who's who we have tonight? Uh, I, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. The internet, social media, dating and rideshare apps all make life so convenient and fun. Swiping to meet up with someone new has become part of our daily lives. It's also how many unsuspecting people have ended up dead. I'm Courtney Bell. And I'm Jillian Lee Garner. And we're the co-hosts of the true crime podcast, I Met My Murderer Online. In each episode, we share a true story of one such deadly online connection and hopefully how you can avoid it. We hear from all who were involved in the case. The investigators. They discovered a victim inside the house. Victims' family members. Right now, it doesn't feel like life can ever be joyful again. And sometimes, even the murderer themselves. You have to decide, okay, what are you willing to do here? Are you willing to kill these people? If you're a fan of true crime, then you have to listen to season two of I Met My Murderer online. On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Having just finished another Predator investigation, a takedown episode for my streaming crime network, True Blue, a week or so ago, I'm reminded of the delicate balance that we have between confronting a guy who wants to assault a child and keeping the crew and the law enforcement involved in the sting safe. Obviously, we don't want anybody to get hurt. Obviously, we're confronting someone who maybe not overtly violent is capable of committing a vicious felony against a child, a teenager, raping a child. And to what extent will this person go to try to stop from being arrested, to try to stop from being interviewed by me. Typically, they are pretty shocked to actually have this happen, to actually realize they've walked into a sting operation. And in some of the cases, law enforcement will actually handcuff the predator. And then I will get a chance to interview them. 
In other cases, and I think you guys know this about me, I make the first approach. And this differs a little bit situationally, depending on which law enforcement agency we're working with and how long we've been working with that law enforcement agency. And it really comes down to what we know about the predator before he walks in. Do we have confidence that he is not an imminent physical danger? Do we think he's carrying a weapon? We can sometimes find out if he's licensed to carry a weapon. And we put all that together and we make a call. Again, I prefer to walk out after there's been an interaction between the predator and the onside decoy. We try to let that go as long as possible to see what would play out if this, in fact, was a child. To get to know the personality of the predator, to get inside their head a little bit, to watch them interact. And then when I come in, I ease into the interview. Sometimes they try to bolt. In those cases, it's, you know, better if they're subdued, obviously. I have a captive audience, a captive interview, if you will. And we've been going through this for almost 20 years now. Only the first two investigations, as you likely know, were conducted without law enforcement. We talked about one in our last episode, the very first one. And we dealt with such an issue back in 2007, the fall of 2007 in Petaluma, California, when a predator by the name of Jonathan Stemmen showed up at our sting house after a sexually charged conversation with a perverted justice decoy posing as a 13-year-old girl. It was a graphic, gut-churning, sexually explicit conversation, leaving no doubt as to what Jonathan Stemmen's intentions were. He wanted to rape a child. He wanted to rape this child. But according to the story Stemmen gave in the conversation, he had been, or in fact was still, a Marine. And the story he gave, both in the chat and to detectives, was that he had been a sniper for the Marines during the war in Iraq. He further said to this decoy from perverted justice posing as a 13-year-old girl that he never goes anywhere without a loaded gun. And this ended up being true. Now, he didn't have the gun on his body, but later, and I'll get into this later in this episode, later, police... Petaluma Police, Sonoma County Sheriffs found a loaded tactical shotgun in his vehicle, in the Jeep he had driven to the sting to meet this girl. Now, as it turns out, because he didn't have a gun on his body, in his belt, in a holster around his ankle, 
in his pocket or anywhere else. He would have likely come into the sting house, into the backyard. And I think looking back at this, as I have for this episode, I think I could have gotten him to sit down. And I think he probably would have admitted to me that he was here to have sex with a girl. And that was wrong, that he wasn't thinking. I think he would have admitted to me all of the things he ultimately copped out to during his interrogation with the detective. We'll never know because it didn't get that far. You'll hear how that plays out shortly. Now, as far as chats go, this one was pretty aggressive, pretty slimy, pretty selfish. He sensed a vulnerable child in Anna Angel 1993. Again, 13. At one point, she asks about a picture in his profile. Is that a plane? Is that your plane? He comes right back with, you live by an airport? I'll have to show you a few things down there then. Meaning around the airport. No, it was a plane that I flew, he says. That's cool, says the girl. You know, I've always wanted to have sex at an airport. Now, she's asking about the plane and he's zeroing in on having sex near an airport because she lives not far from an airport. He wants to know if she has a webcam, which she does not. Would love to have sex with you Friday night at the airport. How would we get in? I am a pilot. I can get in. Well, that's a lie. Peppered with something else that was very disturbing and give you a bubble bath, a massage, then make love to you again. Let me share something with you from the notes taken by the perverted justice decoy. Jonathan Stemmen is a scummy fellow indeed. His entire chat is laced with bizarre sexual requests and an aggressive attitude towards his prey. Stemmen showed up at our seventh Dateline investigation, the Petaluma sting operation. He didn't enjoy the experience. He came loaded for action, though. A large shotgun was also found in his possession when he arrived. He thought he was chatting with a 13-year-old girl online and was not shy about making his intentions very clear. He graphically described his sexual intentions. He knew this was wrong and that he could get into trouble. As evidenced when he stated, well, anyone in your neighborhood called the cops because of a car in your driveway? Oh yeah, he knew what he was doing was wrong. The chat starts out like many others. Strega num seven, that's his screen name, says, hey, what's up? Question mark. Anna Angel 1993 answers right away. Hey, nothing much. What's up with you? Bored, he says. Yeah, me too. So you in Sac, meaning Sacramento? No, not real far from there, she says. You in North Highlands, okay? Where are you? 707, that's the area code. Where's that? Sonoma County. Oh, okay. You have a cam? No, okay. So how old are you? Asks the girl. 23. You? 
I'm 13. There it is, right out there, 13. Oh, wow, sorry, he says. For what, she asks. You're 13, so? Now, he doesn't get into any detail about how this would be wrong, how he shouldn't be chatting with a child at the age of 23, his age. He doesn't say, I'm leaving, never to talk to the girl again. No, he says, you like older guys? There's nicer mean guys all ages, she says. So are you dating? Not right now. Oh, okay. Not allowed? Well, not really. Just don't tell mom. Aw. Okay, now, instead of saying, be careful, there are bad guys online, you should be aware in chat rooms, what does he say? Still a virgin? Yeah. Oh. You really fly, she wants to know? Again, referring to the airplane in his profile picture. Your profile has an airplane. You fly? Yes, I do. Cool. It's fun, he says. So are you interested in sex yet? He's not even talking about the airplane. He wants to get right into the sex part. Kinda, I guess, lol. Have you done anything? Like, she asks. With a guy. What have you done? You mean like kiss? Or anything else? Kinda made out, lol, she says. Have you ever touched a penis? Wow. <laughs> On so many levels. And it gets way worse. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. Have you ever touched a penis? No. Seen one? LOL. On cam one time. Oh, but you don't have a cam. No. Would you ever suck dick? Jeez. What about letting a guy fuck you? Probably might, eventually, LOL. But not now, he asks. I don't know, maybe if there's somebody nice. I'd be nice to you, he says. This Marine, alleged pilot, sniper, man of the world. I'd be nice to you. Would you let me fuck you? Again, he asks. Really? LOL? Yeah. So would you? was kind of wondering what it's like, says the decoy. But I really don't know you yet. Can we chat before I say that? Yeah. Now he figures out he's going to have to work for this. He's going to have to work for the ability to rape a child. What size are your tots? Tots? He corrects it quickly. Tits. 32B, cool. Is your pussy shaved? He wants to know. No, lol. No, how come? Why should I? I like licking shaved pussy, he says. Okay, now we're about 20 minutes into the conversation. I want to see your tits, he says. I could come see you tonight. Then she comes up with a story about how her mother is home. She can't have a visitor. She can't sneak out. I don't think tonight's good, sorry. And so he starts talking to her about plan B. She tells him that her mother goes to a relative's home to help with a family issue. 
her baby cousin needs help and her mom often leaves the girl alone on the weekends to go help out with the baby cousin whose health is not good. She says the mom leaves Friday and comes back on Sunday. She leaves you there alone, he asks? Yeah, why not? I'm 13. I can take care of myself. So you want me to come next weekend? What you want to do, she asks. I want to come watch a movie and chill out with you. Yeah. Make out, suck on your nice round breast, show you my penis, maybe ask you to be my girlfriend. Oh, what a treasure you are. Would you like to play with my dick? I want you to suck my dick while I lick your pussy. You're talking to a 13-year-old girl. If I lick your pussy, you will love it. You really want to, she asks. I was wondering if you're messing with me, LOL. Yes, I do. I would come tonight if you want. I bet you would. Would you let me fuck you? This goes on and on until she asks about what he does for a living. I protect people. Executive security. He says he's doing some training. I carry a gun everywhere I go, he says. Talked about that earlier. So, do I sound like someone that you would let lick you all night long? Can you shave your pussy for me? I'll shave my dick for you. What a champ. And then he's back to the airport thing. He wants to have sex at the airport. I'm not sure why. He never really explains it. Maybe it's just a ploy to get the girl out of the house. When will you know that she is going out of town? He wants to know about the girl's mom. I know she is, she said. What time does she leave? She's taking half day off, Friday, so after lunch. Will anyone in your neighborhood call the cops because of a car in your driveway? Hey. Oh, the cops could be there, okay. Nobody's going to have to call. There is so many things I want to do to your body when I get there, hun. Actually, it should be, there are so many things. First, I want to take your shirt and bra off and lick those little pink nipples of yours. He goes on. Then I'll slowly slide my tongue down your chest to your stomach and you're shaved. You get the point. He's said this before. But he's going to be a little bit more of a romantic. He wants to light some candles, turn all the lights out, put on some soft music and give you a full body rub with lotion. She's 13. He details the kind of oral sex he likes. I'll spare you. Then he says, my dick is hard thinking about you. Are you a bit horny right now, sweetie? Is your pussy a bit wet right now? She's 13. He then wants her to touch herself and report back. So you want to fuck me Friday, sweetheart, he says. I want to make love to you so bad. I will bring a condom, but you'll like how it feel without it. Then he wants to know if she's had her period yet, asks what day. And because he's such a whiz at the female anatomy and science, he does the math based upon the last day of her period and says, well, Friday will be day eight. You can't get pregnant. You won't have eggs. What is this guy talking about? I mean, mathematically, perhaps, but who says this to a child? You will feel my dick harden and soften inside you. On and on and on, he asks more of the same questions. And then, 
this self-described marine sniper gets in his grayish Jeep and drives from the Sacramento area to our stinghouse in Petaluma. Remember, we had it set up with a hot tub on the patio. The garage was open. The guy could pull in the driveway, could even pull into the garage if he wanted to. Or park on the street and walk up the driveway through the garage. And then we could have him sit down at the bar that was set up. We had drinks. The hot tub was there. Some celebratory lights. Just like we're going to have a little backyard party. And the guys bought into it. All of them did. But we had to make a decision. And the Petaluma Police and Sonoma County Sheriff's Office had to make a decision based on safety. Based on the fact that this guy, who said he was a Marine sniper, never went anywhere without a gun. And the decision was that the police would arrest him on the sidewalk. And so he pulls up, gets out, He's wearing black shorts and a black T-shirt, and the authorities waste no time. Well, primary contact with Stegman right now. Everyone is on high alert as the next potential sex predator approaches our hidden camera house. There he is. He's right there, Stegman. Online, he told a decoy pretending to be a 13-year-old, I carry a gun everywhere I go. So as soon as he arrives, officers take him down. If what you've heard shocks you so far, join us back in a moment. Stemmen does not resist. He goes right down on his knees and gets flat on the sidewalk. They flex cuff him and they take him away for questioning. Now, The authorities had uh, a mobile home set up for the initial interrogations. And so he was brought there. We had cameras there to record the whole thing. I wish looking back. Now, I'm not saying we made the wrong decision. I think we made the right decision based upon what we knew about this guy. Safety first. But I really would have liked to have talked to Jonathan Stebbin. He did talk to authorities, though. Then he's brought in for questioning. He's 23-year-old Jonathan Stemmett. He admits to the detective that he was chatting online about sex with a girl named Anna. I let my other head get the best of me. Okay. I let my other head get the best of me. He must think in this moment that he might as well come clean. He's going to try to convince the detective that maybe they should go easy on him because of his military experience. And he's going to refer to that in this interview. Oh, and he also says that he's married and that his wife is in the army and she's due back in three days. He's going to have a little explaining to do. I'm pretty regretful right about now. So my wife comes back in three days from the army and I'm not going to know how to tell her this. And then the detective asks what he said to Anna. Now, the detective's got the transcripts. He knows. 
but he wants to hear it from Jonathan Stemmett. Told her that I was in the Marine Corps, or China. So what did you say to Anna? Um, a bunch of vulgarities, a lot of sexual content about what I'd like to do to her. I um, also told her that I was in the Marine Corps, which I am. Um, I am active duty. I'm in fact, he points out that his surveillance skills as a soldier initially tipped him off that something was up. Being in the Marine Corps as a, as a sniper, I was pretty in tune to my surroundings, and so I noticed a couple of vehicles that looked out of place, so I left the first time, and I'd seen this on TV before. I never thought I'd be part of it. Wait. I drove by once before, he says. He noticed a few things that looked out of place, based upon his sniper military training, things that kept him alive, he says, when he was a soldier in Iraq. And then he admits... He had seen the Predator investigations on TV before. I didn't listen to my sixth sense that kept me alive in Iraq, and I didn't do that here. Did you have any guns? Yes, I did. I have my shotgun. It pretty much goes anywhere with me. And he admits, as you heard there, that he has a loaded weapon in his car. Authorities search, and they find it. Big black shotgun loaded. The police find the gun in the trunk of his car. All right, is there anything else? That's it, sir. That's it, sir. Well, there was a little bit more. Actually, before Jonathan Simmons came to our sting house, he also had a phone call with the decoy. Take a listen. Hello? Hey. Hey, what took you so long to call? I'm sorry. <laughs> What's it going? What are you doing? I, I'm cleaning my toenails and my nails, and they're not all the way dry yet. He chastises the decoy. What took you so long to call? He's anxious. He wants to have his date. She says she's painting her toenails and fingernails. Painting them for me, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Painting them for me, huh? And again, he wants to know and make sure that the girl's mom is not home. Your mom's not home? Mm-mm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, hold on, let me just get, I'm pinning my foot up. You what? Um, I'm just, wait a minute, wait a minute, I don't want to smudge my toenail. Wait a second. You got a number? You got a pen and paper? My this phone's about to die. Now, the decoy makes it pretty clear that she's a kid. So there's no doubt in his mind. He's referenced the mom. She's talking like a child. And now his cell phone is starting to run out of battery. So he wants to make sure she gets another number so they can keep in contact. Yeah, yeah. All right, take this number down. Okay. Call me on that phone, okay? This is about to die. Right now? Yeah, call me now. Call me now. So now, Jonathan Stemmen is in custody. He's got a lot of explaining to do to his wife. And we're wondering if, in fact, he's an active Marine, as he said, a sniper with some sort of training, if he'll face some sort of military consequences as well. Now, this is where Jonathan's story gets a little murky. He did due time in the Marines. That's been confirmed. And he did 
see a little bit of action. But after our initial story ran on Dateline and updated versions ran on MSNBC, there was a lot of chatter on various social media platforms, particularly Reddit, about whether or not he was the Marine he proclaimed to be. And there were a number of people who claimed to have served with Stemmen, who essentially said he was a big chicken. He created an environment where he complained to his superiors the whole time on the ship over to Iraq. He did not bathe properly or take care of himself. He was stinky. He developed a growth on his neck. All things allegedly done on purpose so he would be able to say he was sick or incapable of seeing action once he got to Iraq. So all this talk about having a sixth sense, about seeing action, about being a sniper, that was all likely bullshit. He was just a predator of a different sort. He had a 13-year-old girl in his sights, and he was in the process of taking his shot. He didn't get the chance to pull the trigger, thankfully. Jonathan Stemmen ultimately pleaded guilty, and he had to go to jail for nine months, which turned out to be 268 days of work release. He was put on probation for three years, during which he had a lot of restrictions. No contact with minors under the age of 18, unless he was accompanied by a probation officer. He wasn't allowed to live near schools, parks, daycares, or any place minors might congregate. He had to submit to a polygraph and search whenever directed by his PO, parole officer. He had to give DNA samples. He could not travel outside of the Sacramento area without approval. He could not have a post office box to receive, you know, anything unmonitored. And probably most important, he had to register as a sex offender for life. And as of this recording, He is still a registered sex offender, as he should be. Now, obviously, I wanted to talk to Jonathan Stemmett. Couldn't find a trace of a cell phone, but we do know that he's living in a mobile home trailer park situation in Northern California. So I called the park, left word, left my cell phone number said Chris wants to talk to him. We'll see if he gets back to me. I have my doubts, but I still want to talk to Jonathan Stemmett. More of our story in a moment. Interestingly, there's been an update on another predator I've caught. You might remember... Several episodes ago, we looked at the case 
of Jim Klein. He was a guy who showed up in our Georgia investigation. How you doing? Pretty good. Good. Why don't you have a seat right over there? Klein, hold you closer, 2003, was the one who pretended like he couldn't hear me and then he couldn't understand what I was asking. Did you find the place okay? Huh? Did you find the place okay? No, I didn't. It took you a while. Huh? Did you get lost? I don't know what you're talking about. Why are you here tonight? I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about? No. He may be able to run away from us, but because Georgia authorities believe his chat log showed intent to have sex with a minor, he's arrested. Klein leaves, he's arrested, and goes through the whole process. Now, just this month, August, Klein found himself in trouble yet again. On August 9th of this year, he was arrested for an incident that took place at his home in Marietta, Georgia, which is not too awfully far from Fortson, where we did the sting. It's a ways closer to Atlanta. He was charged with simple assault, which is a misdemeanor and false imprisonment of a victim under 14 years old. That's a felony. According to the sheriff's website, he's still in jail for this incident. And it sounds like that his daughter was visiting him and that she brought her very young daughter, his granddaughter. And when she told James she was leaving the house, James asked her to spend the night so he could have more time with the granddaughter. The daughter refused and they argued it got physical and James wouldn't let the granddaughter leave the house. Sheriffs were called and that resulted in all this. Now there's no evidence in the police files the police reports that he was sexually assaulting the granddaughter. It didn't appear that anybody was physically injured, at least seriously. But because he's a registered sex offender, because he served probation, he's going to get a hard look here. Oh, he got off of probation, I think, about nine years ago. But he could be in serious trouble here for what sounds like was a domestic incident. We will keep you posted. As you know, I like to hear from you. This week's question comes from Iraj, who lives in Falls Church, Virginia, ironically not too far from where we did our second investigation. Hi, Chris. My name is Arash. I live in Falls Church, Virginia, only about 20 minutes away from where you guys did your second sting operation in Herndon, Virginia. Currently trying to catch up to all your podcasts. I'm almost caught up. I've got a few left to go. I had a question for you. I know you've mentioned multiple times that in various cases, a predator might have been talking to multiple decoys at the same time and got their stories mixed up. I was wondering if it ever happened that it was the other way around, where a particular decoy was talking to multiple predators and if they ever said something that maybe mixed up their conversations and scared the predator off from actually showing up to the house or if they still ended up coming anyway. It was just a question that popped up in my head and I was a little curious about. Uh, I was interested in getting your insight on that. Thank you for everything that you do to keep our community safe. I'm really looking forward to the rest of your podcasts. I'm watching episodes of Takedown on your streaming service, True Blue, and I'm really enjoying watching those. Glad to see that you're still doing your work and thanks again and hope you're doing well. Great question, Arash. I don't recall a time when the decoy actually 
had the transcripts confused or the chats confused for the predator who showed up and they had an interaction that scared the predator off. In the very first investigation, the one we talked about last week, where Ryan Hogan, the firefighter, surfaced, in that case, the transcripts were coming in so fast. And because it was the first time we had done this, we didn't really have a system down that by the time the third predator arrived at the house in Bethpage, Long Island, I walked out with the wrong transcript. And I went to confront the predator with this transcript. And I said something to the effect of, you came here to have sex with a 12-year-old girl named so-and-so. He said, no, that's not me. Went back, got a second transcript. Poor DJ Johnson, the associate producer, was trying to put them all together for me. The second transcript was wrong. Sorry. Walked back again. With the third set of transcripts, the right one. And we could continue the interview. Now, it was quite something that during all of this, the predator actually stayed at the counter each time I went back to get the transcripts. And... (laughs) He could have left. I mean, there were no police there in those first two investigations. Ronnie Knight, my security guy, couldn't stop him from leaving. In fact, we had a very specific protocol going into the first investigation that we were not to prevent people from leaving. But he stayed. And we finally got down to business. Great question, Arash. I appreciate it. And thanks for listening to this podcast and watching True Blue. You can find me all over social media at Chris Hansen on X, formerly known as Twitter, official Chris Hansen on Instagram, have a seat with Chris Hansen on TikTok, cameo should you wish, and of course, on that streaming crime network, True Blue, T-R-U-B-L-U, watch trueblue.com for details new predator investigations in our takedown series, some other great documentaries on the way, compelling investigative crime stories. We just finished up an investigation in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, Marquette. And yes, even in that northern paradise, there are predators I've caught. As always, you can reach me right here at chris at predatorpodcast.com. I'll be watching and listening.